This teaching comes to you from the team at St. Mark's, Darling Point, Sydney. We hope that it blesses you. Um, our first reading today is taken from Luke chapter 2, verses 21 to 40. After eight days has passed, it was time to circumcise the child, and he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. When the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law, the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designa designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. Um, this man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came to the temple and when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God saying, Master, you, have now, you are now dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation for which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revealing to the Gentiles and for the glory of your people, Israel. And the father's child and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to the mother, Mary, this child is destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign of what will be opposed so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna of the daughter of Phanel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of a great age and having lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, then a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At that moment she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all whom were looking for redemption of Jerusalem. Then they finished everything required by the law of the Lord. Then they returned to Galilee, to the town of Nazareth, the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the flavour of God was upon him. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. The second reading is taken from Exodus chapter 15, verses 19 to 21. When the horses of Pharaoh and his chariots and his chariot drivers went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then the prophetess, Miriam, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and with dancing. And Miriam sang to them, Sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Give us grace, O Lord, not only to hear your word with our ears, but also to receive it into our hearts and to show it forth in our lives. For the glory of your great name. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. After four years of continuous warfare, 
countless millions killed, wounded, and missing. The gunfire on the Western Front had finally fallen silent. The war to end all wars was finally over. The official news had arrived on Australian shores on the evening of the 11th of November 1918 that armistice had been signed. And that night, church bells rang, trains and ferries blasted their horns, cheering crowds packed into the city. It was impossible to move. And a public holiday was declared the following day. The celebrations, they continued to thunder throughout the city as church bells continued to ring, brass, ba brass bands were playing. Everyone seemed to have a whistle and a rattle. Signs were proclaiming peace and victory. And when there were moments of unison and voice, hymns were sung. Uh, the national anthem, God Save the King and Rule Britannia, even the prisoners from Long Bay State Penitentiary assembled to sing in their chapel. This was a celebration like none other because war was finally over. You see, there's something uh, right natural, instinctive almost, about this kind of joyful celebration. It's, you could say, expected after a moment of great victory and deliverance because saved people love to sing. Now, I don't know if you noticed, but there was a lot of singing over Christmas. We sang a lot of Christmas carols and hymns. And if you came to any of our eight Christmas services, you would have experienced that and joined in. Songs that captured the Christmas message, a saviour king being born, bringing peace on earth, hope, life. As God and sinners are reconciled, as a world that is heaving and weary, rejoices, encountering and experience a thrill of hope in our great saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. But why is it that Christians sing? And not only at Christmas time, why is it that you and I sing when we come to church and gather as God's people and not just the people up front, like it's some kind of a concert for us to be entertained? Why is it that we join in the chorus week in, week out? Well, we're starting a new series, as David has introduced, a series called The Songs of Grace. As we look through some of the songs in the Bible, um, we see that, in fact, the Bible has a lot of songs. Um, if you've had a look through the book of Psalms, there's a collection of 150 songs, hymns, and prayers. But today we are going to be looking at the Song of Miriam. Uh, this is the first song, one of the first songs that we come across in the Bible. And it will teach us of something of why is it that Christians sing when they gather. Now Miriam, she is a prophet, a woman whom God used to to sing these words of truth and praise. Let us pay attention to them. Now, songs, they're usually sung on particular occasions. On birthdays, we sing, happy birthday. When our national sporting teams line up, we sing, advance Australia fair. When you sing in the shower, you sing your favourite pop song. I know you do. Um, when my team, Manchester United, wins in the English Premier League, uh, unfortunately, it's becoming quite a rarity these days. We sing, glory, glory, man united. Well, what's the occasion for Miriam's song? And we see this in verse 19 of the passage in Exodus. 
verse 19, when the horses of Pharaoh with his chariots and his chariot drivers went into the sea, the Lord brought back the waters of the sea upon them. But the Israelites walked through the sea on dry ground. Then the prophet Miriam, Aaron's sister, took a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with tambourines and with dancing, and Miriam sang to them. You see, the occasion for Miriam's song was in the aftermath of the great Exodus event, the great rescue of God's people from Egypt, where they were enslaved, oppressed, worked to the ground, beaten and killed. They were a slave nation with no hope of release under the bruising and crushing hands of the Egyptians. And so they cried out to God in their helpless, desperate situation. And God, in mercy, through you may be familiar with the devastating ten plagues that he brought upon Egypt, with its climax in the Passover, with the death of every firstborn, um, whose blood, who, who's, the blood of the lamb was not on the doorpost. Uh, Pharaoh finally let Israel go, but it wasn't for long. He changed his mind. Bringing all his ferocious chariots and horsemen, he was going to cut every one of them down, every Israelite man, woman, and child. Imagine this, picture this, Israel fleeing on foot. And on one side, the Egyptian chariots, Pharaoh and his horsemen, coming to crush them. The Red Sea as they parked on the banks, on the other. What kind of death was preferable in this situation, in their helpless situation, to be cut down to pieces or to suffocate and drown in sea? But God had other plans. And God, who began the deliverance, would bring it to completion. Through his servant Moses, something unimaginable would happen, something Unimaginable as God parted the terror of the sea, the very substance of his creation. For the God who made the, the heavens and the earth, the land and the sea, this was child's play for him as he, he tinkered with his handiwork and parted the sea. His people would walk through on dry ground while Pharaoh and his chariots in arrogant hot pursuit were crushed as God closed the sea on them. And as God, God's people remember before them. This act was the very means of salvation and deliverance for them. And at the very same time, the instrument of God's judgment upon the face of evil. And so you can understand why Miriam is singing at this point, standing on those sandy shores with all your worldly possessions. The crippling concrete weight of oppression has finally been lifted. Finally, they have never tasted freedom in their life before from a hopeless, desperate situation. Their God had delivered them. Salvation has finally come. And so Miriam is singing a song of praise to God, God who has delivered them. And the song goes like this in verse 21, and Miriam sang to them, sing to the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. Horse and rider, he has thrown to the sea. You may have noticed um, Moses has actually sung these songs earlier in this chapter, chapter 15 of Exodus. Moses sung these exact words and he unfolds a much longer song. And now Miriam sings these exact 
words, or two verses, in fact. This is a, a song of praise directed to the Lord. Now, I don't know if you noticed, but the, the ashes have been on, and cricket fans and tragics alike have come out of the woodworks, and Australia has, I believe, won the ashes. I don't follow the, the, the cricket closely, but from my Facebook feed, that's the, that's the thing. And they would have sung a victory song, the Australian cricket team. It's called Under the Southern Cross I Stand. And it goes like this. Under the Southern Cross I Stand, a sprig of wattle in my hand, a native of my native land. Australia, you little beauty. Uh, I've had to replace the expletive in there, but you get the point. This is a song of praise. A praise of one's country, my native land. The land of beauty, blessed country. But Israel... They praise the Lord. They have someone to praise, someone to sing to. Their victory and deliverance has come not on their own efforts, but it's entirely a work of God. God has delivered them. The Lord has fought for them and triumphed over their enemies. He provided a way of escape when there was no hope. And so it's right, natural, and fitting to give praise to the one who has rescued you. But if you follow the verses closely, you'll notice that there's something quite jarring in, this, in the song. Did you feel it? Horse and rider he has thrown into the sea. It sounds almost crass, doesn't it? Almost a kind of gloating over the suffocating, watery grave of your enemies. As if, as if their, their bodies that just littered the shore, you were just singing over them. Why this kind of celebration, this song of judgment at this moment? Well, you see, Miriam recognized that the watery demise of the Egyptian chariots also meant salvation for them. Salvation, rescue, and deliverance for the people of God. This one act, like the two sides of the one coin, meant that the judgment that fell upon Pharaoh and his chariots meant salvation and deliverance for God's people. Now, another thing that strikes me is why is it that Miriam... She, why is this, this woman singing this song? I mean, Moses had sung these exact words earlier, leading Israel in a much longer song. Why is it? Why is it that Miriam, if you, if you look at the details closely, Miriam, she leads the women out in joyful celebration, tambourines and dancing, but she's the only one singing, and she's singing this song to them, the women that she's leading out singing. Why is it? Well, I suspect the answer lies in what many of these women have been through. If you go back to the first chapter in Exodus, the book opens with a horrifying account. In Exodus chapter 1, verse 22, we read of this shocking reality. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, every boy that is to be born to the Hebrews, you shall throw into the Nile, but you shall let every girl live. You see, the Egyptians were expected to join in the killing of every Israelite boy. The persecution at this time had reached a full-blown, open national policy of large-scale genocide. These mothers had their baby boys ripped from their hands and thrown into the Nile. Moses' mother protected him. 
hiding him for months and then put him in a reed basket, hoping that something would happen. You see, what was worse, seeing your child grow up as a slave for the rest of their lives or to see them drown as a baby in the river? I look at my daughter, Amelia. She is so precious, so delightful. Now, she's a girl, and so she would have been spared. But I could never imagine someone doing such a thing to a baby. And I, and I struggled to fathom it. But this was the reality for God's people for countless years. I, I've read through the book of Exodus many times, and I don't think I've ever realized the depths of their oppression, the horrors of what they went through. And perhaps this was why Miriam sang this song to the women. It was still too raw for them, but there was something comforting, wonderful, because God had put an end to it, this suffering. God had delivered them. There was a sense that some kind of justice had been enacted. They'd been rescued from this tyrant and despot called Pharaoh. Just as their baby boys were thrown into the Nile, the Egyptian horse and riders who were going to cut down every Israelite man and woman and child, God has thrown into the sea. The judgment upon their enemies meant deliverance for them and their families. And so Miriam sings this song of praise, giving words to express some kind of faith and gratitude in their God. Well, what does Miriam's song teach us? Do we have a reason to sing? Well, you see, rightly understood, a Christian is someone who has been delivered from slavery. This physical act of deliverance from slavery in the Exodus points to an even greater deliverance that will come, the spiritual deliverance that all of God's people will experience. Israel was rescued from slavery from Egypt, but they were still enslaved, weren't they? They continue to grumble against their God. They continue to rebel against him. You'll notice immediately after this, they're wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. The bondage of the human condition remains. There is no full redemption and deliverance from our slavery and bondage until one is freed from sin and death. And so a Christian is someone who has been delivered from this far greater enemy. The root of evil itself, sin, death, and the devil, the darkness that lies within all of our hearts. There is bondage, no hope of release, slaves to our own desires to live life without any reference to our loving God, no hope and in utter darkness. We can't help ourselves. We can't rescue ourselves. We need the help to come from outside. You see, until, until the light of Christ came, Christmas, if you remember back to last week, what we celebrated. We sung a hymn, a carol, O Holy Night. In this carol, we recognize the depths of our enslavement, but the freedom that Christ had brought. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother. Chains shall he break, for the slave is our brother. And as the Gospel of Matthew says in chapter 1, verse 21, it points to this little child on Christmas. She will bear a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. This little baby grew up, lived the perfect life, died the death that we should have died, and rose to life again. And in that one act on that cross, God took the judgment of sin 
upon himself and offers us deliverance and life. And so how much more of a reason do we have to sing, to praise God, to sing of his deliverance, to praise him because of the grace that he has shown us? And that's why Christians for the past 2,000 years have gathered to sing and write songs. And One day, all of God's people will be gathered up in glory before his very throne, and we will know and experience the fullness of that salvation, and we'll be singing. The, the fi- one of the final songs in the Bible is found in Revelation 15, and it's a song that mirrors in many ways the song that Moses and Miriam had sung, but this time we'll be singing before a very different kind of sea. From verse 2 in Revelation 15, And I saw what looked like a sea of glass, glowing with fire, and standing beside the sea, those who had been victorious over the beast and its image, over the the number of its name. They held harps given them by God and sang the song of God's servant Moses and of the Lamb. Great and marvellous are your deeds. Lord God Almighty, true and just are your ways. King of the nations, Who will not fear you, Lord, and bring glory to your name? For you alone are holy. All nations will come and worship before you, for your righteous acts have been revealed. This is the song of the redeemed in heaven. This is the future of God's people. There will be a lot of singing in heaven. But this is also the song of the redeemed here on earth. Because we are also able to join in the chorus Because this is our song, a song of the delivered. You see, we do not stand on those sandy shores of the Red Sea, but by faith in Christ we stand before the cross of Christ. As Jesus hung upon the cross, he uttered those final words, it is finished. And then the war to end all wars has truly come. Because the deliverance that he has inaugurated and secured in the finished work of Christ, he will bring it to completion. And when we truly know of this deliverance, of what God has done for us in Christ, and we cling on to him by faith, there is something right, natural, instinctive about God's people singing and praising God. Because saved people love to sing. Amen.
worship your holy name you're rich in love and you're slow to anger your name is great and your heart is kind for all your goodness i will keep on singing ten thousand reasons for my heart to Thanks for listening. Please visit our website at www.stmarksdp.org to subscribe to our new episodes, browse more resources and find more information about the community of St Mark's.